Hey, good morning. Uh, it's about time to uh, begin our Life of Christ Bible class here. Uh, again, Drew is uh, speaking downstairs, and so, you know, it wouldn't hurt my feelings if anyone wanted to go downstairs and, this, and to hear uh, Drew teach. Uh, again, just uh, to uh, get a, a, one more opportunity to uh, see him in action before he heads home. And so, again, he's teaching downstairs uh, to the teens and the parents of the teens and and again, if you'd like to do that, go ahead. Uh, more information, the better for us uh, to uh, evaluate his, uh, his, uh, his teaching. And again, he'll be preaching here at noon, so you'll get another opportunity to hear him and, uh, and to uh, uh, you know, get to know him better at, at lunch as well. So we are in Life of Christ. This is lesson number five. Again, we're doing this uh, every Wednesday and Sunday uh, so that we can make it through uh, this during the, the calendar year of 2022. Obviously, there's a lot of uh, detail to cover in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Last week, or excuse me, I keep saying last week, but last Wednesday, the last class, we focused on the introduction to the Gospel of Counts. And so we read what, how Luke introduced uh, the Gospels to us by telling us that, you know, even though he was not there as an eyewitness, to the account of Jesus' life, that he, uh, you know, he interviewed everybody, he examined everything carefully, you know, he dug in, did the research. Uh, of course, the Holy Spirit uh, oversaw, you know, the, the writings that he wrote, their inspired writings, uh, because we, we had looked at a passage, if you remember, in, uh, that Paul wrote in 1 Timothy, where he cites the book of Luke and calls it scripture. And so uh, we, we looked at how, again, Luke introduced his uh, gospel account, then we took a lot more time talking about uh, the genealogies in Matthew and Luke. You know, Matthew begins right away telling us uh, that Jesus is the Messiah by giving us the, the genealogical records of uh, Jesus's, um, his father, uh, Joseph, his legal, uh, would have been his legal father, of course, not his biological father, but his legal father, and how through his lineage he can go all the way back to King David and then all the way back to King Abraham. And of course, to those who uh, Matthew was writing to, the, the Jews, uh, that would have been extremely, extremely important that the person who claimed to be the Messiah was related to Abraham and David. And so uh, we saw that. Then we saw in Luke, Luke gives a genealogy as well, uh, but he's focused on uh, Mary's bloodline. And he gives us uh, the, the regal or the kingly line, uh, bloodline of Jesus, again, that goes uh, all the way from uh, Mary uh, to uh, all the way back to Adam. And so uh, he gives us a much more extensive look at the genealogy of Jesus. But again, you know, we're, we're understanding uh, through those uh, introductions that, you know, Jesus uh, was flesh, right? And uh, we wanted to uh, make that point. And then John, we, we talked a little bit about John at, towards the end of that lesson, how John doesn't, you know, begin uh, with, uh, you know, Jesus on earth, but he goes all the way back to Jesus's preexistence uh, before the creation of the world. Remember, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That's how John begins his Gospel account. And so for the first 18 verses, uh, before he talks about Jesus' earthly ministry and his earthly life, he gives us a glimpse into just who Jesus is. Uh, before he became Jesus, uh, the Son of God, or came to the earth to uh, walk in the flesh. 
So from that springboard into this next lesson that we're going to look at this morning, we're going to look at Luke chapter 1. And we're going to just stay in Luke this morning, Luke chapter 1, verses 5, really through 58, where we get the announcement of uh, the birth of John the Baptist and the announcement of the birth of Jesus. So before we you know, really study the life of Jesus, there's going to be a, a few characters we're going to get introduced to uh, before Jesus becomes really that main focus in these gospel accounts. Uh, can you name a few? Of course, we're going to see the, 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 the parents of both John and Jesus. So Mary and Joseph are going to be a part of these accounts. Uh, Elizabeth and Zacharias are really going to be the main focus this morning. And then, of course, you know, John the Baptist while in the womb of uh, Elizabeth. So let's let's go ahead and start in Luke chapter one, verse five. And we'll read this first section uh, five through twenty five. And this is going to be the announcement of John the Baptist to Zacharias. So let's, let's read this account together. <clears throat> In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zacharias of the division of Abijah. And he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. They were both righteous in the sight of God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and requirements of the Lord. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren. And they were both advanced in years. Now it happened that while he was performing his priestly service before God in the appointment, or excuse me, in the appointed order of his division, according to the custom of the priestly office, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were in prayer outside at the hour of the incense offering. And an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the altar of incense. Zacharias was troubled when he saw the angel, and fear gripped him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your petition has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you will give him the name John. You will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and he will drink no wine or liquor, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit while yet in his mother's womb." And he will turn many of the sons of Israel back to the Lord their God. It is he who will, be, who will go as a forerunner before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn back the hearts of the fathers back to the children and the disobedient to the attitude of the righteous so as to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zacharias said to the angel, How will I know this for certain? For I am an old man and my wife is advanced in years. The angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you shall be silent and unable to speak until the day when these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their proper time. The people were waiting for Zacharias, and they wondered at his delay in the temple. But when he came out, he was unable to speak to them. And they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple, and he kept making signs to them and remained mute. When the days of his priestly service were ended, he went back home. After these days, Elizabeth, his wife, became pregnant, and she kept herself in seclusion for five months, saying, This is the way the Lord has dealt with me in the days when he looked with favor upon me to take away my disgrace among men. 
Okay, so lengthy passage uh, talking about the, the announcement of John the Baptist, right? Before we even get to the announcement of Jesus, uh, we, we get the announcement of John the Baptist. Uh, Zacharias, we're introduced, he's a priest, and both he and his wife Elizabeth uh, are descendants of Aaron, so they're both of the priestly tribe, the Le- Levitical tribe. And uh, back in, uh, and we're not going to take time to read this, but back in First Chronicles chapter 24, David uh, basically has the, the line of Levi split into these 24 divisions uh, by family. And he does this so that you know, everyone basically gets a turn serving in the temple. Okay, so they, there's these 24 divisions. Um, we, we can read that uh, twice a year, each uh, family uh, gets a chance to serve in the temple. And so it just so happens that Zacharias, we're told he's of the division of Abijah. You know, so if we uh, you know, were to go back into his family line, we'd see that you know, his great-great-great-great-grandfather was a man by the name of Abijah. And so it was his turn, the, the, the division of Abijah, Abijah, it was their turn to serve in the temple at this time. Uh, and so it just so happens, you know, that Zacharias is at the right place at the right time. Uh, we notice also, even specifically, uh, you know, obviously the, the, those priests who work in the temple, you know, they would have various uh, duties uh, throughout the temple to take care of. And the most coveted of all the duties was entering or was uh, offering the incense uh, to the altar. Uh, does anyone want to maybe give a guess as to you know, why that would have been the most coveted of all of the priestly duties? You know, the text doesn't tell us specifically. But, uh, you know, if, if I had a picture, I should have had a picture put up of, of the temple layout. You know, have you studied the temple layout before? How, you know, as you go in, there's, you know, the, the, the court of the Gentiles. And so, you know, really everybody is allowed to go into this portion of the temple complex. And then after the court of the Gentiles is what's referred to as the court of women. And so uh, only... Uh, the Jews, the practicing Jews, were allowed into this portion of the temple. So the Gentiles had to stay outside of here, but the the Jewish men and women could go into this uh, the court. And then, of course, you know, there's another a division where only the Jewish men uh, were allowed to go into that. And then within that division, uh, you know, you've got these two rooms. You've got the the most holy place, and then the ho- mo- and then the holy of holies. Okay, and of course, who is the only person allowed to go into the Holy of Holies? Right, the, the, the high priest. Right? He is the only one that can go into that portion of the temple once a year. But the part where the incense burning took place was uh, right outside of the most holy place. And so this would have been a great honor to serve in that capacity because you're as, as close as God as you're going to get, you know, in their minds uh, during, you know, the temple service. Uh, and so uh, to be able to offer uh, incense, uh, I, I read was, you know, basically once you got assigned to do that, uh, your name was taken out of the hat, you know, in, in the next time around. Because you, you only got to do that, you know, one time around. 
because that's what everybody wanted to do. Everyone wants to offer the incense because they want to be in that position that's closest uh, to the most holy place without going inside. And so that is, uh, is where we find Zacharias. Again, he's at the right place at the right time uh, because uh, who uh, visits him? Gabriel, right. Gabriel uh, visits him. Uh, is this the only time uh, that Gabriel uh, is mentioned in the Bible? Uh, Gabriel. Well, let's back this up first. Uh, how, many, how many angels uh, do we know in the Bible that have uh, given names? Yeah, two. We got Michael and Gabriel. Right, we, there are only two angels within the Bible that we have uh, names given to them. You know, a lot of people will uh, refer to them as the archangels. Um, but here we have Gabriel. Gabriel is actually mentioned in the book of Daniel in the Old Testament. We see Daniel, Daniel uh, dealing with Gabriel. Uh, Gabriel also is here with Zacharias. And then a little bit later, we're going to see he is going to talk to Mary. So Gabriel. Uh, Gabriel is a little bit more prominent than Michael. You know, Michael's only mentioned uh, that, those times in, in the book of Jude. And, uh, and we really don't know what in reference uh, he's specifically uh, necessarily talking about. So Gabriel, of the two, is a little bit more prominent because he's dealing with at least uh, three people uh, within Scripture. And so Gabriel is here uh, speaking to Zacharias. And, you know, Zacharias, does he believe what Gabriel is telling him? He doesn't, does he? He does. Uh, he's got more of a, you know, a prove it to me attitude uh, than uh, of actual belief. And so because of that, the Lord uh, or the angel did what to him? Uh, he couldn't talk. He made him mute. He's going to uh, have him mute for, well, uh, for quite a while. Uh, we haven't read this far ahead yet, but in Luke chapter 1, verse 34, you know, basically, you know, Mary gets the same uh, scenario thrown on her. You know, Mary is told something that's going to happen, and Mary sort of questions it as well. She says, how can this be since I am a virgin? Right? But we have two different results. Right? Zacharias is struck mute. While Mary, uh, we don't see anything happen to her. You know, do, do you think there's a difference in between their two reactions to this account? She believed, right? Mary believed while, uh, you know, it looks as if Zacharias may have had some doubt about what the angel had said. Or maybe he had a lack of faith in what the angel had said uh, to him. But remember... Zacharias, if we go all the way back to verse uh, 6, we're told that he and his wife, they were both righteous in the sight of God. They walked blamelessly in all the commandments and requirements of the Lord. Now, does that verse tell us that Elizabeth and Zacharias were sinless individuals? No. Uh, we know that from you know, other passages in Scripture that we all sin and fall short of, of the glory of God. But these were righteous individuals. They followed the commandments of the Lord to the best of their abilities. But yet still Zacharias's faith failed him at this moment. And so uh, now he's going to become mute. 
and this is going to last a pretty uh, long time. Uh, one place I read uh, estimated between 36 to 40 weeks uh, that he is going to remain unable to speak. But, uh, you know, Zechariah still um, was able to communicate his message that he received from the angel Gabriel to his wife Elizabeth, right? Uh, because uh, she's going to know uh, here when we read this next section that uh, the boy that is going to be born is going to be named uh, specifically John, right? She's going to bring that up because uh, she's going to, or the people, well, when we get into this, we're going to notice that, you know, they're going to ask, what's the baby's name going to be? And she says, John. And the people are going to say, well, you don't have anyone in your family, any relatives by the name of John. Why would you do this? And so then they ask Zacharias. And Zacharias, while he's, you know, still mute, uh, he says, yes, you know, the child's name is John. However, he uh, either wrote that out or, or declared that for them. So there's the announcement of John the Baptist. Let's move to verse 26 through 38, and we'll see the announcement of uh, Jesus to Mary. And, you know, just kind of make this note uh, that we talked about last uh, Wednesday, you know, Luke focuses on Mary's chronology, uh, genealogy, where Matthew focused on uh, Joseph you know, we're kind of seeing the same thing here because Luke's going to give us Mary's account of the birth of Jesus, while Matthew, we'll see on Wednesday, is going to give us uh, Joseph's account of, of this uh, same announcement. But we'll talk about that on Wednesday. But let's look at what the announcement of Jesus to Mary. Again, starting in verse 26 of Luke chapter 1. It says, Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth. To a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph, of the descendants of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, he said to her, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was very perplexed at this statement and kept pondering what kind of salutation this was. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus." He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be true, since I am a virgin? The angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, and for that reason the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. And behold, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age, and she who was called barren is now in her sixth month. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, the bondslave of the Lord, may it be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Okay, so we're moving along in this account six months later. Right? Six months later, you know, excuse me, Elizabeth is now six months pregnant with John the Baptist. Gabriel now is visiting Mary, and, uh, and she gives her the news of what's about to happen. We're told Mary and Joseph live in Nazareth. Now, we talked about this a couple of classes ago when we were looking at sort of the map of Palestine, Israel. And, of course, Galilee, the city of Galilee is that, or that province of Galilee is the top portion of the land of Israel. 
And within uh, Galilee is a small town called uh, Nazareth, a very insignificant city. Uh, even um, you know, historians, uh, Josephus, who's one of the most famous uh, Bible historians, uh, mentions, uh, a scholar actually went through this and found that Josephus mentioned 204 cities in Galilee, and then the Jewish Talmud mentioned 63 cities in the city of Galilee, but neither Josephus nor the Talmud uh, mentions Nazareth, right? It is a very, very uh, insignificant, small uh, city in Galilee. You know, um, you know, I'm still trying to get my mind around the geography of living in Colombia. But there's, you know, there's places around Colombia, right? Uh, you know, Fair Play, right? That's a, I don't know if you'd call it a city, but it's uh, a metropolis. <laughs> yeah, uh, a community. Okay, but if you lived in that community, you would write on your envelope, right, that I lived in Fair Play, Kentucky, but. You know, if you were speaking to somebody that was, I don't know, that lived in Louisville or Lexington, would you tell them you lived in Fairplay or would you tell them you lived in Columbia? It would probably be easier for you to uh, say, you know, I, I live in Columbia. You, you know, people are going to understand more where Columbia is. And again, you know, this city of Nazareth, it's like a fair play. Uh, it's, uh, you know, it, it's not very well known to anyone. Okay. And so. Um, we see as, uh, as Gabriel comes to talk with, uh, talk to Mary to discuss this, you know, let me throw this in here as well. You know, how old do you think Mary is at this time? Scripture doesn't tell us, but what would, what would your guess be? 18, 15, 15, 16. What's that? Younger person. Younger person. Yeah. Um, Jewish tradition, Jewish culture during, during that time, it was not, on, it was not uncommon for uh, women to be betrothed or, uh, you know, we, we use the word engaged, betrothed or married at ages 14, 15, 16. And so, you know, you read a lot of commentaries on this subject and they're putting Mary's age somewhere around there. Again, we, we don't know specifically. But uh, this is the betrothal period of Mary and Joseph. Now, we'll talk more about this uh, on Wednesday when we focus on uh, Matthew's account of Joseph's announcement, because that talks more about that. But what do we know about a betrothal? Is it the exact same thing as an engagement? It's... It's pretty similar. Now, this is just something that, you know, the Jewish uh, community did. Uh, so it's very unique to them. But it, it's not the same because, you know, if two people are engaged and they want to break it off, you know, so what do they usually do? They just, you know, give the ring back, right, uh, and break it off. But with a betrothal, uh, you know, it's, it was an engagement, per se, for around a year. But uh, there were some legal ramifications to it. So if uh, Mary, or excuse me, if Joseph wanted to break off the betrothal to Mary, uh, it would basically, you would have to go through a, a sort of a, a divorce type process. Okay? The, the marriage would not have been consummated at this point, uh, but uh, they were somewhat of uh, a, you know, a more stricter engagement. 
And so that's the period of time that, that Mary is getting this announcement. Again, this is more going to be towards Joseph's account in Matthew chapter 1. That's going to focus more on that. And so we'll uh, leave that for uh, Wednesday. But, uh, you know, Joseph, you know, of course, he's going to be uh, very concerned about his perception of, you know, being betrothed to a woman who is now with child. Uh, uh, you know, the old law would have gave, given Joseph the, the right to um, have her executed, sentenced to a stoning uh, because of this. And we'll see that that's not the case. Uh, he, of course, he doesn't do that. But again, Mary, she is legally, uh, Mary and Joseph are legally bound to one another. Uh, as Gabriel comes and gives this information to, uh, to Mary. And so she appears to Mary, or excuse me, he appears to Mary and tells her again that, you know, he, you know, he is going to name another child, right? He's going to tell them that, that this child is going to be named Jesus. And, you know, this is interesting. I don't know uh, if you've ever heard this before, but Jesus is the Greek name for what Old Testament name? No. It's Joshua. Right, so Joshua is a Hebrew name, and if you and, and and so in the Greek it's Jesus. So Jesus and Joshua they actually you know share the same name, and just one's uh, you know one's Greek, one one's Hebrew, and the name means uh, Jehovah saves. Right? And so uh, you know again Gabriel uh, gives Mary the information that when you have this child, uh, his name uh, will. Be Jesus, and so again, you know, we see a difference of contrast here between uh, Zacharias and uh, Mary when they deal with Gabriel. Zacharias again, we, he shows a lack of faith. Um, because of that, he 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 becomes mute uh, for that for that period of time. Uh, but uh, Mary is going to be uh, blessed because of that. So, you know, is it important for us to believe uh, this account in the, the virgin birth of, of Jesus? Yeah, it's an extremely important doctrine within uh, Christianity. Uh, you know, this is prophesied all the way back in Isaiah uh, chapter 7, verse uh, 14, where the prophet Isaiah says, course, uh, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin will be with child and bear a son, and, and she will call his name Emmanuel. Right? Um, Emmanuel. And Matthew tells us you know, that name means God with us. And so, uh, yes, it's extremely important that we uh, understand that, we believe that. Uh, and of course, scripture uh, lets us know this. Uh, right here within these verses. So let's uh, finish off uh, the next section uh, where Mary goes and visits with Elizabeth. So this is Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 39. So now at this time, Mary arose and went in a hurry to the hill country, a city of Judah, and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she cried out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. 
And how has it happened to me that the mother of my Lord would come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leapt in my womb for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what has been spoken to her by the Lord. Now, the next section, verses 46 through 56, is sometimes referred to as the Song of Mary or the the Magnificat. Um, it means to magnify, and you know, she is magnifying God. And so, uh, verse 46, And Mary said, My soul exalts the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. For he has had regard for the humble state of his bondslave. For behold, from this time on, all generations will count me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is upon generation after generation towards those who fear him. He has done mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who were proud in the thought of their heart. He has uh, brought down rulers from their thrones and has exalted those who were humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent away the rich empty-handed. He has given help to Israel, his servant, in remembrance of his mercy, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and his descendants forever. And then verse 56, And Mary stayed with her about three months and then returned to her home. So, again, uh, Mary uh, is in Galilee, Nazareth of Galilee, and she is traveling to uh, meet uh, Elizabeth, who lives down in uh, Judea, Judea, Judea and, or in the city of Judah. And so, uh, you know, that's obviously going to be a little bit of a trek. You know, she's, uh, she's with child now, but obviously not, um, you, know, you know, probably within that first month or so. And she goes, uh, travels 70, 80 miles uh, to visit Elizabeth. Uh, of course, you know, Gabriel gives her that information. You know, uh, they don't have phones back then. So we don't know if Mary, you know, knew that Elizabeth was, was with child. Of course, we, we were told a little bit a while ago that when she uh, heard of this, Elizabeth heard of this news that she uh, secluded herself for five months. So, uh, you know, maybe not many people knew about this information. So, of course, you know, she didn't get on the phone and call Mary and say, hey, uh, I'm pregnant. But Mary found out from Gabriel's visit that her relative... Uh, you know, we often say cousin, uh, but probably the better uh, rendering is relative. So maybe it's a second cousin, third cousin, uh, that such. We don't know if they're exactly cousins. Um, but she goes down, travels the 70, 80 miles to stay with Elizabeth. Uh, Elizabeth, what did we say? Where, how far along was Elizabeth at this time? Six months. Six months, right. So she's... Uh, fairly well into uh, the pregnancy, six months into it, you know, just kind of cap that off. What, what did we just say, or how long did we just say Mary stayed with Elizabeth? Three months. Three months. Yeah, so uh, that's, you know, nine months right there that, uh, you know, of time that has passed. Uh, you know, the Bible doesn't tell us if Mary was there for the birth of John the Baptist. Um, you know, maybe she was, maybe she wasn't. But, uh, but again, you know, that puts us in a time frame that she would have been there. And, and I don't see why she would have left, right? That would have been an exciting thing uh, to know that your relative is right about to have a, 
uh, a child and you, you live 70, 80 miles away, you're not going to make that trip all the time. You know, maybe she hung around and uh, perhaps she stayed around and saw the birth of John and helped Elizabeth uh, during that process. But uh, again, we're not told that, but we're told that, uh, you know, Mary, she comes and visits Elizabeth. Again, what we talked about in the sermon this morning, uh, you know, the baby leapt in the womb when she or when he heard uh, Mary speaking, because, of course, uh, Elizabeth was full of the Holy Spirit. And she knows, you know, uh, what part Mary is going to play in bringing the Savior of the world into into the world and that she is a very blessed uh, woman. Uh, let me ask you this. Uh, what as far as Mary's role in Scripture, should we worship Mary? No, but do people worship Mary? Yeah, there, there are. Uh, churches, uh, you know, the, the Catholic Church, uh, for one thing, is you know they're very big into uh, putting Mary on a pedestal over um, you know other people, uh, worshiping Mary. Right? The, they claim that she was that she remained a virgin perpetually. Uh, but how could that not be the case? Right? Uh, Mary and Joseph have other children besides Jesus. Yes. And so uh, some of the doctrine that they teach just doesn't uh, add up within uh, Scripture. They also teach that Mary uh, was conceived immaculately, meaning that she uh, lived a life free from sin uh, as well as Jesus. Uh, you know, they have to, uh, you know, make Mary a, a sinless individual in order to, uh, you know, fit this doctrine in that uh, she was that she immaculately um, gave or received uh, Jesus in that again. So again, that's the point I want to point out is, you know, when we read uh, scriptures like verse 39 through 56, you know, Mary uh, is an important person within scripture, no doubt about it. But some have taken these uh, too far and have, you know, put Mary up on a pedestal of, of being worshipped. Okay, and so... Um, Mary gives this, this wonderful song again, this praise to God. Uh, she's magnifying God. You know, very important uh, verses uh, again. And then we get to verse 56 that tells us that Mary, again, stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then uh, returned home. So, you know, Mary's going to be about, you know, three to four months pregnant when she leaves and make that trip back up, back up north. Uh, and so maybe she was there at the time that John was born. Again, we, we don't uh, know that for certain. But, you know, I know we're running quickly out of time. But, uh, of course, Mary is, you know, she is important uh, within uh, the scriptures. Uh, we can see why, after reading these verses, you know, why God chose uh, Mary to, uh, to give birth to the Savior of the world. Right? She was... She was a godly woman, was she not? Uh, we can even see within her song, you know, that she is uh, quoting Old Testament scriptures, right? She studied her Bible, you know, she studied her Old Testament. She knew of these things. Uh, again, verse, in verse 50, you notice that she, she quotes Old Testament scripture and his mercy is upon generation 
after generation. Verse 53, he has filled the hungry with good things. You know, these are things that she is quoting uh, from the Old Testament. And again, she believed. Right? She, she didn't waver uh, like Zacharias did, but she believed. She had a humble spirit about her. You know, how did she describe herself back in verse 38? You know, the angel had come to her, right, and, and told her that she's going to give birth to the Savior of the world. That's some pretty big news. Uh, she could have maybe been a, bit, a little pompous about it. Uh, she could have, you know, put herself up. Uh, but she says in verse 38, Behold, the bond slave of the Lord. Right? She had a humble uh, spirit about her. Okay, I was given the thumbs up in the back, so I guess our time is up. I appreciate your, your uh, attendance this morning and participation. On Wednesday, we'll look uh, at the, the birth of John the Baptist and the birth of uh, Jesus. So we'll finish off Luke chapter 1. And uh, Danny, do you have the closing prayer for us? Our most gracious Heavenly Father.